I'm Fred McMurray. It's Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific, which means this has to be. Woo! Happy Friday Eve. Hey, Kristen, you know, how are you? I'm good, Jerry. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. Uh, interesting background for me today with traffic back there and everything, but I'm here. Hey, you know how I know today is opening day for the Cubs? How's that? It snowed and it rained all in the same day. <laughs> Temperatures plummeted. That's how we know it's opening day for the Cubs today. Well, I don't know about you, but I've got friends sitting there in that stuff. So uh, I'm hearing via Facebook how much fun they're having. Yeah, well, anyway, let's get on to something better and brighter. It's all right. Thir- it is Friday Eve. Welcome to the Pillars of Franchising. To get things started, we want to make sure that you have a call-in number. We've got a great show for you today. Again, the call-in number is 323, I always have to cheat, 580-5755. Tell us, word on the street is you and Elizabeth have been down in the warm sunshine while Ray and I have been up here in the snow all week. What were you doing? Oh, my gosh, I had the greatest time. We were at the Titus Center down at Palm Beach University, and we were were setting in on – you know, the board meeting and yep. the, uh, the exposition for franchise professionals and got to meet a lot of students, university students that are going through the Titus franchise uh, university side of things. Phenomenal. Yep. It was that organization is so crazy. They're going to change franchising for the better for all of us. I cannot wait. The grandfather of franchising is working on this on this entire program, right? That's what he's asked to be called, the grandfather. (laughs) I'll tell you what, it was phenomenal. And when you meet these young, uh, you know, 19, 20, 21 year olds that are brilliant at the world of franchising already, they come from all over the country. They were, you know, they're sitting there in amongst people my age who have had a certain amount of success in franchising over the years, and they are very self-assured. They're very confident. They're very knowledgeable. They ask great questions. We did a couple CEO-level case studies for franchisors, Uh and these youngsters were jumping right in, had some real innovative ideas and suggestions. I want to tell you, I was blown away, and John, the godfather of franchising, is should be proud of himself because he literally – change the world of franchising 
Yeah, my bad. I, I called him the grandfather. I'm sorry, Don. Ma- major faux pas to call him the grandfather <laughs> rather than the godfather. He's going to get me on that one. Uh, but l- let me ask you this. So Elizabeth told me some things I found to be very interesting when I spoke with her earlier today. Um, some of them have already owned franchises. And, and the group that was there was really a diverse kind of eclectic mix of people and backgrounds in terms of where they are in their journey. Is that right? Oh, that's for sure. You know, some of them are already going through college with a different career path and then discover franchising and change to get mm-hmm. into that. Uh, several of them, you know, I'm talking about 18, 19 year old kids have small side businesses that they started themselves. They're very entrepreneurial already. And uh, uh-huh. so they, they learn about franchising. Now they're talking about franchising their business. And again, awesome. at 20 years old, I didn't know what bar I was going to tonight. And these kids are thinking about how to build a new business and turn it into a franchise. I was totally amazed. I think that's so awesome. I mean, I'm like you, Jerry. I would have never even, like, it didn't even dawn on me back then that McDonald's was a franchise, right? To me, it was just some big restaurant. Who even knew the word franchising? And I think that it's really interesting. And we didn't have, I mean, you know, they didn't have anybody like, um, like that back then to educate people on franchising. I mean, franchising didn't even come around until like the mid eighties. Right. I mean, now, now again, and forgive me for uh, not remembering um, Matilda Harper, Matilda Harper. I'm forgetting a part of it. That was an example of somebody who started years and years and years ago to form, but not as we all knew it back then, right? It wasn't, it wasn't named franchising. Right. Well, and you know, I mean, they talked about internships for some of these kids to work for a franchisee or a franchisor. And can yeah. you imagine at that age going through this educational program for something, you know, arguably 95% of the country doesn't know yeah. anything about. And now these kids are 18, 19, 20 years old already going through a degree path related to franchising, doing internships with franchising, perhaps starting their own franchisor. Uh, sure. it's, it's amazing. This is going to be a groundswell that's going to really help build franchising overall. And, you know, I'm sitting there uh, rubbing shoulders with CEOs of many brands, uh, yep. multi-unit franchisees, multi-brand franchisees. I yep. thought it was just a great place for those kids to be, and it really opened up my eyes to what this program is. And frankly, the need for more programs like it in the United States. Yeah, I agree. Karen and I were talking about that earlier today as well. And I think, you know, my last point I want to make about it is Domino's has been doing a really good job talking about hiring young people in to work within their operations and what kind of a fast path that is for them to ownership. And I think that you know, at least when I was a kid, I was like, oh, you know, and I did, I did indeed work in a pizza parlor as a kid, but it never dawned on me that that was a path to ownership of what could have been by now. I mean, mm-hmm. 30 years later, you know how many dominoes I could own? I know. Never did I dream of that being a career path. Well, so, you've, you've read my book, so you know my story. Yeah. I was looking at franchising 24 years before I bought my first one. And yeah. had I just followed through on that at time, where would yeah. I be? And so this introduction to the kids coming through college to franchising early on literally is going to be life-changing for them and for many other people. So anyhow, yeah. Kristen, 
That's the word Absolutely. on the street today. Excellent. Well, thanks for sharing that, Jerry. And up next, we've got somebody who follows in kind of that footstep. So I can't wait to talk to her. Ray, would you uh, like oh, to do sure. us the honors? I'd, uh, I'd love the honor. I'd like to introduce our guest, Dory Roberts-Stewart. Welcome to the show, Dory. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, I, I'm, I'm reading your bio here. It's fascinating. You know, one of the things I've always been in, in love is science, STEM, you know. And I, I think one of the things uh, I've talked about on the show in the past is, is that when I was in the fifth grade, that my science teacher really, really helped me a lot. So how do you, I mean, I guess the best, you, you taught in high school, right? I did, yes. Okay. STEM or? Uh, I was an engineering teacher at the high school level. Okay. Excellent. Uh, and then then you decided concept and franchise it? Tell us how, well, how, how you, how you <laughs> switched over from teacher, which is nurturing and caring about, you know, students to franchising. Yeah. So the story goes, <laughs> uh, while I was teaching high school, I was taking my high school students all around the country to compete in various STEM competitions. And this was a volunteer thing for me. And I stayed after school a lot and spent summers with my high school students. And throughout that time, I had my own children. And so I was going to pick them up from the elementary school, bring them back to the high school with me. And they were running around my classroom with their hands in everything that my high school students were doing. And that is really what prompted me to start looking at STEM in the elementary schools. Now, this was back in 2008. STEM wasn't a buzzword yet. Engineering wasn't introduced to elementary school kids unless they were in the gifted and talented program. Yeah. So I just, I had this opportunity, the, the, their elementary school, the PTA was doing a fundraiser and they were asking for parents to volunteer to teach an after-school program to raise money if they had a hobby or a business. So I took what I was teaching with my high school students. I took a civil engineering um, curriculum and I changed it up to make it more developmentally appropriate for elementary age kids. And I taught a civil engineering class and the kids loved it. And the teachers were pulling me aside, asking questions and the principal asked me to come back and I had a couple of parents pull me aside at the end of this it was a six week program to ask me what else I had to offer. And so wow. I was like, huh, okay, this, this could be a great side hustle for me. I could do this, you know, with my kids and, you know, after school and during the summers. And so I spent the next year building a curriculum and testing out the programs. And I created a business that taught STEM to kids ages four to 14. Awesome. And so that's, that's how, that's how the original business began. Wow. I think that's so cool. I, I remember the first years that STEM came out and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they've never done this with kids before. <laughs> it was yeah. like all the craze in the elementary schools. And that's mm -hmm. when my kids were all in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. tell me how you started. Like, how did you put together a curriculum? How did you, how did you begin? I and mean, obviously, as a teacher, that was a huge help, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, my undergrad degree is elementary, middle, math, and science education. My master's degree is technology education. So I had the education experience at the elementary level to be able to take what I was doing with my high school students and modify the curriculum. And then my own kids just were really good guinea pigs. (laughs) Awesome. You know, their friends would come over and I'm like, try this out. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And so you started with, I'm assuming then one location or did you, were you more of like a mobile unit that went to schools and kind of traveled around? How'd you do that? Yeah. So I was renting out uh, space for the first two years in local parks and recreation centers, community centers, basically anywhere children would gather, I would ask, hey, can I offer programs? I even offered um, programs inside a party room at a bowling alley. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Got to get creative, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. And so how many units did you, or I guess it wouldn't be units necessarily because it was you, but um, Mm -hmm. how long did you continue on this path before you said, hey, I think I can franchise this? Uh, For a couple of years, uh, after I realized I was paying more in hourly fees at all these community centers than it would be to open my own learning center, I ended up opening a brick and mortar location in my small town in Virginia. Uh And I started getting people who were Googling engineering programs for kids in Chicago or, you know, all over the world, actually, people were falling upon my website and emailing me and asking if they could buy my curriculum or, hey, would you ever bring this to Atlanta? Mm -hmm. And so that those inquiries is what really had me start looking at different business models. And that's how. I came upon franchising is I started looking at how could I grow this? I can't possibly open a location in Chicago and be able to manage it. So franchising really was the best fit to grow my business. And Mm -hmm. so it was uh, 2011 when I started franchising. Okay, cool. And with many franchisors, now you've gone from small business entrepreneur, you become a franchisor, right? Then Mm -hmm. your franchisor, you keep growing. And Mm -hmm. then as so many do, because you've got a great product, you're making great money. Mm -hmm. You have the bigger fish comes along, right? Yes. And what happened? So I I grew it to 165 locations in 35 countries reaching over a million students. And every time my business was listed in Entrepreneur Magazine Franchise 500, I would have a slew of companies contact me and ask, hey, have you ever thought of selling your business? So I kind of always knew that that was going to be, you know, the next step. And I ended up um, uh, contracting a a mergers and acquisitions um, advisor to handle all the phone calls. And, you know, she vetted vetted them for me and Uh most weren't a bit a good fit. You know, I, my business wasn't a a restaurant that, you know, where each location was, you know, bringing in multi-million. So my business was very specific and Uh I ultimately was contacted in 2019 by an ed tech firm out of Canada who has four other education franchise brands under their belt. 
and they were looking to add a STEM education brand. And okay. so they flew to Virginia and we met for several days and there was a lot of synergy there. And what I liked about them is they weren't planning on just kind of pumping money into the business and then selling it in five years. You know, they sure. want to keep it right and grow it. And right. You know, that's what's best for, for the franchisees. So that was 2019 and I was, you know, kind of on the fence, you know, is it the right time? You know, yeah. all of those, those questions, it's, you know, it's, it's a big deal to sell your business. And um, when the pandemic happened, oh. that's when it became very clear because one of their brands was already virtual and they already had systems in place. And so it made a lot of sense. It, it just, you know, became very clear that it was the right decision at the right time. Right. So were they able then to use those virtual platforms that they had for their other franchises with your product, with your system? Yeah. So they already had staff that was building out programs online. So they already had staff that had the knowledge to bring, you know, programs online. Mm -hmm. A lot of programs couldn't be done online um, because a lot of our programs are very hands-on. And sure. so there was, you know, some modifications that had to be done, but a, a good majority of the, the programs were able to go online. We did have to ship supplies to kids and kids did things like built things in front of right. the computer, which is, you know, they still got the hands-on component. It's just never the same having that team atmosphere in person. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to imagine, I mean, teachers just, I mean, to me, being a teacher, I, I always wanted to be a teacher, and then I didn't. Instead, I worked in training and development, which is kind of the same, but different, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, you know, to build a company and being a teacher, did you find like you really put your heart and soul into it? And then to sell it, it's kind of like it's your baby, right? That's why it was so hard. It was really hard. And my kids grew up in it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they were my guinea pigs. And when they became teenagers, they were teachers, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. So, you know, they, and my son would, um, you know, help develop some curriculum. And um, so it, it, it was a tough decision. And that's kind of why I was so on the fence about it. Um, yeah. It was a, it was a good fit in terms of, you know, the education focus and, and all of that. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, it, those decisions are never easy, right? Yeah. Well, in, in some sense, it's really great, A, that you chose um, company that had that remote learning aspect. Thank goodness that's like, you know, from the stars above, right? And then the right. second thing is, had you not sold you know, what do you think would have happened during the pandemic? Did you have the infrastructure to be able to pivot? It would have been, there would have been a lot of really long days, <laughs> you know, to, to, and there would have been a, a, a learning curve there. Um, and so it, it, it would have been doable, um, but it would have taken more time, you know, than, and, and, you know, the franchisees would have been waiting longer um, yeah. to be able to make that transition with their students. Mm -hmm. I'd like to switch gears just a little bit, if you don't mind. Uh, I, I noticed that in 2014, you won an award. 
and you've also been featured in several magazines. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I have been so fortunate. Um, I've been in Forbes and uh, Fast Company magazine listed me as one of their top creative uh, people in business. And um, Kiplinger did a piece on me. And um, yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. I got to be on on Fox a couple of times on Fox Business Network. And yeah, it's it. It was uh, a lot of fun, and it really helped sell franchises. <laughs> Every time there was a big feature, we got an influx of uh, of leads coming in. So it was that was really a great way to get the word out. Yeah, I think if there's anything this this channel is all about is selling franchise, mm-hmm. the concept, and and I, I, having someone like you on board here, you know, in an interview really really helps that. Yeah, so, I can see that. Dory, when you when you were bought out, did you find did, did the did the parent company want to keep you on staff to help through the transition with your franchisees and things? Yeah, um, they offered me a permanent position um, as president of the company, and I decided to stay on for six months and okay. help through the transition. And I decided that after the six months that, that it would be best for me to leave and mm-hmm. let them lead. Um, right. And it, it just was best for everyone. Um, and, you know, it, at that point, you know, it's, things are so different and, you know, I'm, I'm no longer the founder and CEO. And so yeah. it just made sense for me to, to leave after six months. Yeah, it's kind of like a band-aid, right? I mean, yeah, it, you, mm-hmm. you have to at some point let go because, it, or it's like your kid's going off to college, right? It, mm-hmm. At some point you have to let it go and become its own person, so to speak. But I love that they kept you on because I think that creates a nice synergy and a really good transition period for your franchisees so they don't just wake up one day and guess what, everything's different. So, yeah, so tell definitely. us, you've got some exciting things now. Now you're like into your third or fourth life, your third or right? fourth life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. So what's, what's in store for Dory now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've just been so immersed in franchising for the last 10 years that it just made sense for me to continue. It, you know, if you kind of, franchising gets in your blood and you can't get rid of it, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I am, I'm, I'm consulting and I have started a podcast, which has been so much fun and so mm-hmm. rewarding. And it's called She Turned Entrepreneur. And I named it that because I, I it might've been Forbes. One of the articles called me the teacher turned entrepreneur. So it's called She Turned Entrepreneur. Awesome. And I interview women who have gone from a nine to five to now um, entering entrepreneurship. And I have a a Franchise Friday segment where I introduce people to a different brand each Friday. And it's been a lot of fun, you know, introducing people to franchising. You know, so many people just think that McDonald's and it's a huge investment (laughs) and it's not for me. And so it's been a lot of fun introducing the industry to people who had no idea what it was all, all about. So where where does it go from here? What do you become? I asked you before the show, like, what do you what do you want to be when you grow up, Dory? Where does it <laughs> stop, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it, to be continued, right? I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just, I'm having fun. Um, yeah. You know, since I sold my business, the, the pressure is kind of off, you know, and so I'm really just enjoying building a community of women. And um, I mean, I get to meet the coolest women and just the networking and the connections yeah. that that brings is just so cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we cannot wait to see where you land next and for how long and then where you go. <laughs> and it's been so wonderful to have you on the show. And what a great story for so many people who are burned out in their current careers, whether it be teachers or nurses. I mean, to take a passion like you had of teaching bigger, so different, yet at the core, kind of the same, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and just continue to be successful with it. Congratulations to you and all your success. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Where can, tell us how people can get in touch with you if they want to contact you. So my website is DoriStewart.com. And I am also, um, my podcast is She Turned Entrepreneur, and I'm on all the platforms, you know, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, you can find me in all the places where you would normally listen to podcasts. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here with us. And I know Ray and I will be looking for you again really soon to get some updates. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Excellent. And we'll have all your information listed on dealersoffranchising.com as well. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or Westvine with a Y dot com. And here we go with Jerry. Welcome back hey. to Solution Franchising. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Kristen. How are you? I'm doing great. I am so glad to have you back this week. Oh, thanks. I miss it when I'm not here, and evidently you miss me. Well, we do. And you know what happened last week was really a shame because we got started on Chapter 11, avoiding Chapter 11, and then technology just did not work out. Well, it was terrible. And today I made up for it because I'm literally parked in front of the building where the Internet service is. So <laughs> I'm using and abusing them today to make up for last week. Well, the question is, does the sign say free? No, they don't even advertise it. I heard it word of mouth that when you when you struggled with internet in this area, drive up to this building and it works. So I, I'm going to have to put a fake background behind me because I might be parked here several weeks when we're down at the lake. You know, as long as you don't get towed on camera. Oh no! Oh no! 
I think these people understand that they put me in this spot, so I think they're okay with it. But, but you know, um, we're going to talk about Chapter 11 and how to avoid Chapter 11. But I want to tell you a little bit about last week because I want our listeners to understand this too. So I was literally stuck in the middle of Iowa last week at a uh, at a DOT rest stop trying to get internet from them and so on. And there's only one reason I was there because one of my franchisees with the joint chiropractic unexpectedly passed away. Now, when you build a business plan, you got to think of things you don't want to think about. And this, uh, this gentleman didn't. And so um, his widow is dealing with some things that nobody wants to have to deal with when you are, you know, going through what she's going through. So uh, my operations manager, Vinny, and I have been spending uh, as much time as we can with her helping work through the transition, uh, make some decisions about the business, some things like that. So, um, frankly, I didn't want to be where I was last week when we had that problem, but it was yeah. my support of franchisees, and I go where I have to go when I have to go. And I love the show and love to help the franchisees and potential franchisees here, and they need to know that's kind of the way franchisees are, right? We help each yep. other. We talk all the time about the community and joining it, and you get to help more than from your franchisor, but from, you know, brother and sister franchisees around the country. Totally. That is an example of it, not just because I did it, because you'll find thousands of others out there doing similar things. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter the day of the week or the distance you go. Nope. Exactly right. That was a seven-and-a-half-hour drive for about a day and a half of time so but yep. it it leads a little bit into this because nobody when you're putting a business plan together nobody really factors in chapter 11 right that's right because you're optimistic you're excited world the world's going to be great in the future you're opening your business you've worked forever for you're putting your life savings in it everything's coming up roses until it doesn't that's right so and, you know, we've had some really glaring examples. Uh, and, and the biggest one is, of course, COVID and the subsequent staffing issues. I don't know if any of our listeners have walked into their favorite restaurant lately, but in many cases, they're opening open short hours or mm-hmm. half, of the, half of the serving area is closed because they don't have enough staff to cover it. Now, people going there for a meal, don't think about this, but no. that restaurant just lost half of their revenue closing that down. When you lose half of your revenue, you don't have enough money to pay the overhead, which is the rent and utilities and things like that. So most of those businesses are struggling. Um, I don't want to say they're looking at bankruptcy chapter 11, but many of them are. And, you know, we're, there's a lot of them hanging on by their teeth. And uh, right now is a good time for us to talk about chapter 11 and factoring what ifs into your business plan. So let's Perfect. talk about things that actually happen more normally than you want to admit. If okay. you're a retailer, if you're a retailer and the city suddenly decides to redo the road in front of your enterprise, mm-hmm. you may have uh, your customers driving through somebody else's parking lot or around the block or through a construction zone for yep. a year. And during that time, the revenues are going to go down. So if you're in that situation, you're going to have to plan for it. So when you're putting a business plan together and you're starting this thing, you need to think about downtimes, not just all the good stuff that's coming, 
But how do you survive those other times? So when you're thinking about that, you need to think about the legal part of it. So the reason I wrote, two reasons I wrote chapter 11. Number one, I saw too many people who are franchisees going through struggles and eventually some of them went through bankruptcies because of them not planning for it, them not having metrics. I'll talk about that in a little uh, Mm -hmm. bit that kind of shows you when you're tapping up against those guardrails and you need to be worried. Um, So uh, I wrote chapter 11 for the friends of mine who went through that. And so, yeah. I'm sorry, but you you did say something and I want to clarify this. You do you believe that most of these situations can be avoided? Not all, but most could be avoided with planning. I believe virtually all of them. I mean, a, de- a sudden death, things like that are difficult, although right. there are things you can put into your plan that will make right. up for that. Key man insurance is something businesses need to think about. You can okay. put extra life insurance on yourself. So uh, your general manager or your spouse can continue on and they it buys them time to hire another person to manage the business or whatever the case might be. So even in that case, it could be. But if you look at the numbers and when you look at an FDD, uh-huh. and for our listeners that you know don't know, that's the that's um, franchise disclosure document. It's a legal document every franchisor puts out once a yep. year. It breaks down the quartiles of their existing uh, franchisees and where they fall in a revenue and profit and cost standpoint, as well as some other metrics. So when I look at a new enterprise, Kristen, I take the second from the top. So the second one down from the top when I do my business plan. Okay. Because I don't believe, even though I'm pretty darn good, I don't believe I'm going to be in the top quartile all the time. So just to protect myself, I take the second quartile down. And then for fun, I run the third quartile in my business plan because I, I believe 98% of the time I'm going to be right on the breaking point between the first and second quartile. But I want to build my business plan around the breaking point between the second and third quartile. Uh-huh. If you aim there and you're still comfortable with the outcome, you can probably weather any storm, right? And uh-huh. none of us want you to go through chapter 11. So that is my word of advice when it comes to putting a business plan together <clears throat> because <clears throat> you can cover your costs. Hopefully yep. there's enough money left in there at that second and third quartile break point where you can uh, pay your own personal bills so you can live until yep. you come back because typically it's going to be a short time when you're down there. Yep. Um, one of the top franchise attorneys in America his name is Ron Gardner, and he lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He works for the second largest franchise law firm in America, and uh-huh. he's become a good friend of mine. And he comes from humble beginnings, and when he got into franchise law, he only had one, one guideline. He was always going to fight for the little man. He was always going to fight for the franchisee who did not get what they thought they were getting when they bought their franchise or the franchisor wasn't supporting them. And Uh so when I met Ron and we had conversations about this, he literally said, Jerry, this is exactly what America needs. It's exactly what people thinking about franchising need. They need to understand this process. So we put this chapter together with uh, the help of my friend, Ron Gardner, and Uh it literally talks you through many of the things that you may run into. And you can't plan for everything specifically, but you can plan for everything generically, right? So uh-huh. if you do your business plan around that break point between the second and third quartile, 
knowing that you'll be above it, but just planning around it. Yep. And then you put guardrails on your metrics. And what I mean by that is every business uh, will have certain metrics that they need to have within a certain range to be profitable. Right. I'll talk about great clips. We need X number of new customers a week, and we need a certain percentage of those customers to come back for their second haircut and a mm-hmm. certain percentage to come back for three, four, five, six haircuts, whatever that is. And I know if we consistently stay in the ranges that we've learned in those three categories, that's, that's it, just three categories, we're going to be successful. We're going to be profitable and be able to pay our bills. When you're talking about a food franchise, typically those metrics would be something uh, related to your ticket size, mm-hmm. the number of people that come in the door, your food costs, and overhead costs. If yep. you know those metrics and you can keep track of those week to week and month to month and know you can see the trend changing, you can see you're bumping up against those guardrails, and that's the time when yep. you start making changes before you get to the point where you have to talk to an attorney. So in my opinion, there's lots of good takeaways in this short discussion. There's a lot more in the chapter in the book, so I'd suggest you go take a look at it. But the bottom line is plan around um, um, realistic goals when you're doing your business plan. Know your metrics. Watch them regularly so that when you tap up against a guardrail, you can make other plans, whether it's cutting down on some overhead, doing more marketing to bring in more, um, you know, patients, clients, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. uh, watching your, uh, watching your costs, your ticket size. There's no matter what business you're in, there's certain metrics that you can watch Absolutely. that will warn you when you're getting close. And that's what chapter 11 and avoiding chapter 11 is all about, Kristen. I love it. Absolutely, Jerry. I love it. And, you know, every time you talk about it and really, you know, it's interesting because no matter how long you've done in business, I think, you know, Ray and I have talked about this before, too, because we have the same business model. Um, You know, there are times in your business that you can let your foot off the gas a little bit, right? Especially during COVID, right? Because we knew that there's very, not a lot you can do in terms of marketing right now or in the past few months anyway. But now things are kind of starting to stabilize. Now it's time to put your foot back on the gas. Time to tighten the reins a little bit, right? And you can really do a lot when you manage those KPIs, right? Well, yeah. So I'll give you another example. That's perfect. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So with our Great Clips business, we've got 36 locations across two states, and we still have staffing issues at some of those locations. So I just got off a phone call with a company that's going to help us market for recruiting new staff for uh-huh. the locations needing staff and help us market for clients in the locations that have staff uh-huh. more clients. So when you talk about putting your foot on the gas or the brake, if you understand yeah. the metrics or KPIs and you have really good advisors like a great marketing company, or as we always talk about, your banker, your attorney, and your CPA, you will learn how to judge based on your KPIs, your metrics, which of those pedals you need to be pushing on not only for your company, but for individual locations. And yeah, sometimes, sometimes you only want one of them. Sometimes you may want them both. So pay attention. And before Fred gets involved, we just want to say that I've never been more excited about franchising. So if you're thinking about doing a franchise, uh, what's holding you up? 
And I will, I ask that question because we are the ones that can help you answer that question. When I talk about uh, the mentors that are here on Pillars, you've got some of the smartest franchising people in America. So if you're listening and you've even been toying with the idea of buying a franchise, you need to get a hold of us. It won't cost you a dime. Call us and talk to us because there's never been a better time. Don't wait 24 years to make the decision like I did because you're missing a lot of opportunities. Uh, There are more franchise systems out there available right now than there ever has been in history. And uh, there's money available for you to borrow to get into it. There is literally no reason to not get into franchising right now. So give us a call. Let us help you out. And with that, Kristen, I'll let you go. Thanks a lot, Jerry. I really appreciate it. And again, don't forget to check out Jerry's copy of Live It to Own It. Uh, What a great book. And again, we just reviewed chapter 11, avoiding chapter 11. Um, The book is absolutely packed with a lot of great tips and tricks and advice. And uh, again, the number to contact us when we're live on air is 323-580-5755. We'd like to give a special shout out and thanks for the continued support and sponsorship to Franchise 247, as well to the Titus Center for Franchising. And thank you for a great week down there for Jerry and Elizabeth. Looking forward to being on their board and helping them as well as they help us in the wild world of franchising. Up next, we have Ms. Karen Kimsey Sword. There she is. Hi, Karen. Hello. Hello. Um, loved loved Jerry's segment. We're going to continue yeah. this conversation. Oh, um, my goodness. Yes. I, I told them. I mean, that, that was the one that I'm following along reading the book, along with each, each segment. And yeah. it has so many, you know, what I love about it is it has so many great tips on, you know, what kind of what, what to do and then what not to do. Right. Yep, absolutely. And we talked a little bit about that earlier today, right? Some of the key ways that you can um, really ensure that you are able to manage those KPIs in your business. Absolutely. And, and you know, Jerry, I, I love you. I was writing down some of your notes even more so that you know, I know you have stuff in the book and even some of the things you were talking about now, some of the examples. And, you know, you were talking about, Jerry was talking about the, the metrics and watching the metrics. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, advice that I always give to new franchisees is that you need to make sure you have someone. I know you have your advisors and all that, but making sure that you have someone that's on your team, whether it's your managers, making sure they're watching the metrics as well as you watching those metrics. I think so many times we'll, we'll, we'll have the metrics and we'll, we'll look at the, the, the daily, the weekly, the monthly, making sure that, that everyone knows how to connect the dots with those metrics. What does it mean to me? You know, what are the little, the behaviors that I can do that actually can control some of those metrics and how, do, yeah. and how does that fit into the big picture? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things I think um, when after you and I had our conversation today, we were talking about people who, um, you know, when they're looking for a raise and, and they want to know, well, well, if I want, you know, a little bit more, well, what do I have to do to get a little bit more? Tying those metrics into their performance, explaining to them, you know, why they need to do certain things and how that particular metric ties back to their job performance, right? Absolutely. And, and just making sure that in addition to you, the franchisee, that you actually have people that, that are more operations focused 
Yep. That, that's really, that is that is so that is so key. And I think also key, making sure, you know, we, we buy these franchises and this is one of the things that I can't understand sometimes where you have the process, you know, and you have all the, the model and the process in place, you have your business plan. Yep. Many times uh, people will veer veer off from that. And you know, we all know, you know, cash is king. <laughs> it is about what is it about your money, it's about having money, spending your money, keeping it, it's all of that. It's about the money. And then right. sometimes if you're veering off that process that can actually cost you money. And before yeah. you know it, you're, right, you're kind of moving, that, that you've got these, these moving targets and everything. And, and then that can, can cause you to actually lose money, which can yeah. lead to chapter 11. Yeah, and who wants that? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't sound good to me. And I think it just, it just keeps going over time, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, whoops. And so that's yeah. all these things are so important to to make sure that you're really keeping a uh, keeping targets on it and you're keeping focused on it on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if um, you know Ray had put a little note in there about when you're moving your targets, right? I mean, it, that becomes very frustrating to people. You have to make sure that you're very clear with that. And when the targets are changing, everybody needs to know where they're going, why they're going, how they're impacted by those, what's expected of them each and every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's also thinking about, you know, another, another point would be for new, for new franchisees or as, as franchisees, you know, here are they're thinking about buying a franchise. And, and again, love the way Jerry talked about, you've got the FDD, you've got some of those financials there and mm -hmm. planning for um, different, different stages, what, what's going to happen, the worst case scenario. And one of the things that I, I always would recommend is talk with, don't just talk with maybe the list of franchisees you were given, but really go out and talk with other franchisees and say, share with me your, your, your financial, your business, your, your financial, you know, can yeah. you talk me through it? Kind of get the why behind it. Cause you can even look at some of those financials. If you're looking at a franchise, you're doing your business plan and you might not know the why behind it. So really yeah. understanding it and understanding those numbers, it's, it's really important. And a lot of times you don't get that. Uh, maybe from some initial training or initial looking at it, and even just putting things into the business plan, it's amazing sometimes some of the things that you can miss. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that that, if you are fortunate enough to find someone who maybe just recently sold or went out of business, somebody who will be authentic with you, a lot of times you'll find out where they made mistakes and things that they would have done differently. I mean, I, I've, I've been in for 15 years and I could tell you an entire catalog of things that I would have done differently. It, and now I'm completely happy with where I am, but I still would have done a catalog of things differently. <laughs> Absolutely. You don't know what you don't know. And I think, you know, and, and, and again, Jerry made a great point with the, the your, your honeymoon, right? Your, this yeah. is, it's wonderful. You're in love with it. And it's great that you are. Yeah. That's good because you need that great attitude. And at the same time, it's putting that, you know, part of your brain to ask those hard questions. Yeah. Really take an analytical look at it to say, okay, let me, I'm in love with this, but let me take a look and make sure I'm asking the hard questions. So then I don't become um, disenchanted later. Because exactly. when you have these who are disenchanted and you really kind of peel that back, many times it's because they did not do the analysis front, right? They didn't, yep. they went in with, went, went in with different expectations. And then when it didn't meet those expectations, then then that's when that's when it, it and once that happens, 
it's really hard to get it back. And we all yep. know part of it is our, it's our attitude as well. Yeah. And all this goes back to hiring the right people with you, right? Yep. Hiring the right people. But it's also, as the franchisee, making sure that you're, you're, you're focused on some of these, it's the small things. It's the yeah. also can make a difference. And understanding, you have to understand the business first and then bring mm-hmm. people along with you to understand the business that can complement what you do and paying, making sure you're paying focus, paying focus and being focused on the business. Yeah. You know, actually, what made me think of that um, whole hiring thing is I was listening to one of the episodes of my, of my one favorite guy, um, Patrick over at Vetted Biz today, and he was talking about the franchisor, that if you are a potential franchisee and you are validating or, you know, kind of doing your final meeting with the franchisor, it should feel like you are being interviewed. Because if it feels like your franchisor is just selling to you and they're just taking your money, it's probably not where you want to be because they're not, they're not validating you for your skills. They're just taking your money. And I thought, yeah, that's right. It really should be. It should still feel like you're interviewing for that business, right? You're not just buying brands. I I love that because, and don't be offended if they ask you hard questions, they're actually asking you those hard questions almost to save you from certain things and making sure that you understand as well. And again, yes. I think sometimes people, people, they're emotional. It's an emotional process. So it's trying to take your ego out of it and that emotion out of it to really take a look at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Karen. I really appreciate your insight. And uh, as always, we look forward to what you have to offer every week. And it's great when we can tie all these things together so that we look at different perspectives different sides of the same. Absolutely. Thank you. Excellent. You have a great week. You too. And we'd like to, yes. And we'd like to thank you all for joining us here today on Pillars of Franchising. We hope Elizabeth is feeling better uh, after she had a long night's sleep in the airport last night. Uh, As always, we want to thank all of you for joining us on the show today with our, with our lovely guest, Dory Robert Stewart. And please be sure to like, share, and comment on this episode. Thank you to Ray Pillars. Ray Pillar, I'm sorry, Jerry Akers, our Million Dollar Mentors, for their insight and wisdom. Thanks to Karen Kimsey Sword of Dale Carnegie, Elizabeth Denham and Fred McMurray, our producers. I'm Kristen Shalomessi, your fourth Million Dollar Mentor, and together we are your resource for franchising success. This has been another episode of Pillars of Franchising. And remember, your dream starts here. Have a great week.